And we are in the midst of the sermon series of the letter of First John. And as I like to, uh, as I start off the sermon for this uh, morning, I would like to start by saying that today's sermon, it will be tough, it will be deep stuff. Let me give you this, I won't say warning, but let me give you this heads up that it will be a tough and deep stuff things. And I want you to start by asking you this questions, these four questions. And I hope that as you hear this message for the remaining time that we have, that you will somehow, Holy Spirit will lead you to reflect on your own heart and answer honestly what is going on in your life. Number one, are you of the world or are you of God? Number two, what does it mean to be of the world and to be of God? Number three, do you have the love for the world or the love for God? And number four, how do I know whether I am loving the world instead of loving God? So as we set these questions in mind, let us dwell into the Word of God today. And as I start off, let me do some recap. After the believers were encouraged by Apostle John, who wrote the letter of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Apostle John encouraged the believer to say, do not abandon your faith. Do not abandon Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did came in flesh. And let us continue to hold on to this truth. And this truth is light. And we must walk in the truth and walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, we must also walk in repentance. And there is where Apostle John says, it is a life of repentance. And anyone who asks God for forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive us. So, after talking about repentance, Apostle John says, let us love God. And how do we love God? It is evidenced by our obedience, our willing obedience to God. And when you obey God willingly, it shows that you love God. You love to obey His command because you love God. You will not see God's command as something that is so burdensome that you have no choice but to follow. It's not with that kind of heart or mentality. And so, Apostle John says, love God, love God. And today, in this passage, Apostle John made a contrast between loving God and loving the world. Being of God and being of the world. And that's why I started off so that you will ask yourself, do you love God or do you love the world? How do you know that you are not loving the world? So let's read today's scripture taken from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. It says here, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, very quickly, I would like to share the first point is this. Do not adopt and participate in the ways, the values, and desires of the world. 
We have already read in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, it says, do not love the world. It is in contrast with what Apostle John said earlier in the early part of chapter 2 says, love God. After saying love God, Apostle John says, do not love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. The first command that we find in chapter 2 is, do not love the world. So in the first two chapters of John chapter 1 and John, uh, John, 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2, we are told that we need to love God, we need to know God, we need to obey God. And when we obey God, it is an evidence that we truly love God. When we love God, it should be expressed in how we obey the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells us how we should live. It tells us how we should continue to live on earth as God expects us to live. So, when we do that, we are living in the truth. We are living in the light. That's how we know that we are living in the light. And after that, Apostle John says, do not love the world. Now, I want you to think for a while here. Why John tell us, do not love the world? Isn't the world, everything in it, the mountain, the sea, the people, the birds, the sun, the moon, the star, everything in the world, isn't it created by God? Did not God create everything since we read in Genesis chapter 1? That in seven days, God created every single thing. And in John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the... God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son for us. God made the world. God so loved the world. And yet, Apostle John says, Do not love the world. Why is that so? Isn't God is the one who made everything? If Apostle John says, do not love the world, does it mean that if I love the nature, if I love the mountain and the sea, is that a form of idolatry? Now, here in the letter of 1 John, the author used the word world as in Greek, cosmos, to refer not to the natural creation, the human, or the entire created world. It refers to the way of life, the way of life, the value, the impulses, the desire of this world. But we all know that the way of life, the value, the desires, it is all corrupted by sin and it is influenced by the evil one. Although God made the entire world, it is now adversely affected by sin. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. The desires and the impulses of all humanity, our way of life, our values, our culture is now influenced and controlled by the evil one. And since it is under the control of the evil one, even the best motivation and values of this world is in rebellion against God because it's sinful. And that's why the author says the world is in darkness. And everything that it does, it stands against the truth of God. And everything it does, it stands against whatever God wants to establish on earth. 
And so, even though the world is created by God, God says it is good. God sent His Son Jesus Christ for this world. But unfortunately, the world have rejected God. It is under God's judgment and wrath because of corruption and sin. So in that sense, the world is not described as a natural creation of the sun, the moon, the sea, the mountain, the flower, the nature. The world here means the way of life, the impulses and the desire of humanity in how they live their life. So when the Bible tells us, do not love the world, it is commanding us not to align ourselves to the desires and impulses of this world that comes from the evil one. Do not adopt and align your life to the value and standard of the world that is against the holy law of God. And this is the tension that we live every day, isn't it? That we face every day because when we follow God, we still live in the world. We try to be holy, we try to uphold righteousness, but we are in an environment where every single person does corruption, every single person compromises, every single person disobey the rule and the law, and it's very hard for us to uphold righteousness. And even worse, that when we uphold righteousness, we will be persecuted, we will be abandoned, we will be outcast because we stand up for the truth. When we stand up for the truth, it reveals the darkness of everyone else and they do not like it. So that is the tension that we live every day. And the world will lure us with the attraction of things that we wish to enjoy and indulge in. To buy the things that is not in line with the truth and the light of God. There are many things that the world has to offer that attracts us. But some of them are not aligned with the truth of God. And if we are not careful, we start to indulge in these values and the ways of life of the earth, it will set us into the pathway of rebelling against God. It leads us in a daily struggle with God. And even though we are living in the world, the Bible says we are not of the world. It means that we belong to God. We, be, we do not belong to the world. Yes, we are staying in the world, but we do not belong to the world. Our identity is Christ. We belong to Christ. Jesus, on the night before He was betrayed, He made a prayer for all believers not to be taken from the world. And that's why when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, even though you inherit eternal life, and I hope that every one of us here, you sincerely believe in Jesus, that if we die right now, we will go to heaven. But the reality is this, the minute we accept Jesus Christ, even though we have eternal life, we do not die immediately and go back to heaven. We are still here on earth. But even though we are still here on earth, let me remind you that your eternal life started. The minute you put your life in Jesus Christ, your eternal life started. And that's where you start your daily struggle with the sin. You let the Holy Spirit to speak to you and you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. You're living in this world. You have that struggle with sin. 
And that's why Jesus says, do not take believers out of this world, but protect them. Jesus in John chapter 17 prayed, do not take the believers out, but protect them. So Jesus Christ is now interceding on the right hand of God to, for our protection, that we will have the blood of Jesus Christ to protect our mind, our heart, our desires, our attitude against the trial, the temptation, and the lure of the world. And as believers, not only we need to resist, but we also need to become the light and salt of the world. We need to be the agent of change for this world. Even though we do not belong to the world, we live in this world, that we will stand against the value of this world. We do not adopt and partake the, the, the life of this world. Instead, we become the light and salt to change and to preserve this world. So this is the difference between being of the world and being of God. Belonging to the world and belonging to God. Loving the world and loving God. So I hope that you will understand why Apostle John says, do not love the world. But our desires, our values, and our way of life is always, always in temptation with the world. And that's why our life, it must always be centered upon Jesus Christ so that our motivation to live, our motivation for our values, for everything that we say and do, our decision-making, our life, it must be motivated by the Word of God. It must originate from God and not from the value of the world. Our motivation and our identity must be based on God, not on the things of the world. Therefore, do not love the world. Instead, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do not love the world. The first command, meaning that do not partake the way of life, the values of the world. Now, as we talk about do not love the world, what exactly are the things that Apostle John talks about? And here, we read the second point is this, the desire of the world are not from the Father, but there are three things that Apostle John described about the world. Let us read 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says here, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of, uh, sorry, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So, Apostle John point out these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, very quickly, I want to go through each one of them so that you understand what are the things that Apostle John are talking about when he says, the world. Now, as we live on the earth, we have a natural impulse for our physical needs. And that's why the word flesh is mentioned. Lust of flesh. It is our physical needs, our physical desires, which is very natural. It's very natural to you and I that we need food and shelter, that we need clothing, protection. We need tools and gadgets. We need physical rest. We need uh, physical intimacy. And these desires are the things that is important for us to live on the earth. Without it, we, can, we could not live our daily life. 
And these are not all the bad things. These are the good things that we need. It is our basic human needs to live on earth. But we also need to understand that all these things are subjected to expiry dates. Things will rot, decay. It can be exhausted, meaning that it can run out. The resources can run out and it can be destroyed. And so it is temporal. All our physical needs are temporal. And if you want to compare to eternity, all these temporal things have no value. All the desire of the flesh may be our natural physical needs, but because of our fallen nature, because of sin, it has driven us to satisfy our physical needs in a way that is not according to the will of God. And we begin to misuse, abuse, exploit the resources so that we will satisfy our own need for our temporal cravings. And it leads to things like gluttony, greed, addiction, vulgarity, vanity, immorality. So instead of allowing God and God's Word to motivate ourselves, our life, to be the guiding light of our life, we allow the need of the flesh to take priority over God in our life. And that is what it means, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Again, the need that we have for our physical livelihood is not wrong. But when it takes priority over God, and that is where the problem comes in. God takes second place. Our own need takes priority. And so, we begin to find ourselves stressed out because we are, not, because we are so preoccupied with work and work and work. Stress and stress and stress. More work, endless work so that we will fulfill our physical need, so that we will fulfill our livelihood, we want more and more and more. We may seem to be very preoccupied and very productive, but at the end, it leads to various kinds of frustration, emptiness, and even addiction. And then, we begin to live life stressfully. We always say that we are busy, but fail to realize that it becomes a self-centered life. We want more, bigger, better. We start chasing for the latest and the most updated. We fall for the lies of advertisement that we need to buy more. We fall into the traps of comparison that we always look at what other people have. We compare what we have with other people and we are not satisfied. We want to be better than the other person and we will chase after all these physical needs. And it became the main motivation of our life rather than God. And this is the lust of the flesh. When we can't do as well as others, when we compare with others, we feel discontented, depressed, and miserable. And we start to complain to God and say, God, why are you not blessing me? And this vicious cycle began to viral down. We feel that we should bless with more, bigger, and better than others. And we start spending the energy and time. We start to invest our effort in the things that will not satisfy us, that do not have lasting values. 
things that will expire, things that will decay, things that will, out, that will be outdated. We allow the need of the flesh to take over the obedience of God. Again, I'm not saying that we should not chase after or, 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 or work for our livelihood. We need to. We need to be responsible for our own life. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if you do not work, you don't eat. We need to work. But we do not let the need, the physical need, take priority over God. If we do so, we will have the lust of flesh. We allow our physical needs motivate our life rather than God's word and God's will. It will lead us to all kinds of addiction, frustration, and we will start chasing after things that have no value. Secondly, the lust of eyes. Now, even though the lust of eyes, according to the epistle, the epistle are the writing of Apostle Paul. In the epistle, the lust of eyes may refer to sexual lust of human pride. But here in the letter of 1 John, it refers to the short-sightedness of our value. Now, when we live in our physical world, we have the tendency to only see the outward. And that's why Instagram, TikTok, Facebook is very, very popular because we are only looking at the outward. It's not just about looking at physical object or the physical person in our surrounding. It is about our tendency to be captivated by the outward show of things without thinking through what is the real value and the real character, the real meaning behind what you see on the outward and the physical. So the desires of the eye refer to our perception of what we regard as important, significant, necessary, and essential. But we often fall short in how we perceive and understand what is important and what is significant. Because it is always bombarded by the world. The world always tells us that if you dress up like a certain style, you are accepted. If you change your fig uh, the, the figure of your face, you will be more beautiful. And if you're more beautiful, it will give you more confidence. We fall into the lies that says that when you are more beautiful, it gives you confidence. We fall into the lies that says that if you're more successful, if you drive a bigger car, you'll be more happy. We fall into the lies that says that you must always be beautiful all the time. We fall into the lies that we can always be successful without putting in much effort. The value that we look at, the outward that we look at, we fail to see the value, the significance, the importance behind it. And we tend to celebrate and appreciate the physical and the outward achievement rather than looking at the character and the maturity and the importance of it. For example, we celebrate and appreciate the people who have more accomplishment, who have higher status, who have more knowledge, more possession. We believe in the assumption that being good outwardly, having more, 
And being beautiful or good-looking physically will give us more success opportunity and better self-confidence. So, we'll begin to adorn ourselves, to make ourselves, clothe ourselves with outward beauty without fixing the issue in our inner heart. Our EQ becomes very low even though we have high IQ. Our emotion, our spirit, our mentality did not change even though we changed outwardly. We begin to applaud those who have more achievement and we disregard how that person achieved all his accomplishment. We see someone is so successful and we advertise and we celebrate the person. But we fail to see the private life of that person with a failed marriage, failed to become a good husband, failed to become a good father. But we only highlight that, hey, he's successful. He's a CEO. He has got money. We see the outward only. As long as the person has higher status, achievement, we value. We did not stop to think the, 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 the value, the deeper character. This causes to be short-sighted in our life. The lust of the eye. We fail to have the ability to see beyond and to see deeper into things of life. And if we continue to do so, it will lead us to short-sightedness. And what kind of short-sightedness? Spiritual short-sightedness. Spiritual impairment. And if you continue on, it will lead us to spiritual blindness. Totally blind on the spiritual things of God. This totally disregard spiritual values. Chase 100% on physical and the outward. And we begin to lose the ability to see and to judge according to the Word of God. And this happens when we refuse to follow the Word of God, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we know that there's something wrong with our judgment. We make excuses, we make compromise, and we even rebel against God's Word because we want to chase after the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. We begin to take on the value and the culture of the world because we are so captivated by the outward and physical of the world. We slowly, inch by inch, going away and away and away from God. You may not realize it, but it's slowly, inch by inch. Slowly sway away from the Word, slowly sway away from light until you reach the edge, you cross over, transgress over, and you went back to the darkness, the darkness of the world. So this is the last of the eye, where we fail to see what is more important, that we have spiritual short-sightedness and even spiritual blindness. And number three, the pride of life. The pride of life here means the arrogance and the boastfulness that a person has due to his overconfidence and sure dependence on his own resourcefulness, ability, and possession to sustain his own livelihood. 
That means the person takes pride in his own ability to make wealth, to solve problems, and to sustain his own life. And that person believed proudly that it is because of his own effort that he's so clever to make his own wealth, to make his own success, to make his own decision, to sustain his own life. And more than just sustaining his own life, he is able to be successful outwardly. And that person began to trust in his own security on the wealth that he has. And you know what? Such person faces problem, especially for the past two years. When the pandemic hit us, many people suffer financially because when they put their faith and trust in finance, they fail. And they fail utterly. They begin to overlook the need to trust and to depend on God because they are so capable. They forgot that it is God who gives them that ability to make wealth and the opportunity to make wealth. They thought that they are so good that they are able to make wealth for themselves and that they are able to create their own opportunity. But church, let me encourage you, always be humble and to come to God and give thanks to Him that He gives us the ability to make wealth and the opportunity to make wealth. And if you continue to have that pride, you will stop coming to God with humility. You will stop giving thanks to God because you thought that you are the one who made it. The gratitude is not there anymore. The thankfulness is not there anymore. And so you stop coming to God. You stop praying. What for? I need to come to God to pray and thank Him. I got everything on my own. The heart of gratitude, humility, will slowly creeps away. But such persons still believe God is God. Such persons still believe that God can heal, God can provide. But only when such person face impossible situation, when such person went into real deep problem, then only the person comes back to God. God, now I'm in deep problem. When I cannot solve it, I come to God. The rest of the time I can solve it, I don't need God. The pride of life. When I cannot solve my own health, I cannot pay for all the good doctors in the world, then only I come back to God for prayer, for healing. When I could not make wealth, I do not have the ability, then only I ask God. Such person still believe in God. Such person may still talk to God, but whenever the person comes to God, it's to ask God to give him the ability and the opportunity. It's like treating God like a genie in a lamp. I only need the genie in the lamp when I have wishes. If there's no wishes to make, genie, please get inside. The Aladdin lamp, stay inside. We treat God like a genie in the lamp. So, you'll find that such person will stop seeking God because there's no need for God. What for you need God when you have success? When you have the ability to make wealth? When you have a stable income? When you have good life? When you have happy life? And then you start become a consumer-minded Christian. Only come to God when you need something. Only come to God when you could not solve the bigger problem. 
and therefore pride, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness, all takes over your life. And therefore, the pride of life creeps in into your lives. These are the three things I want you to take note of. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Check whether do you have one or all of the above. But I want to highlight something important here. In the same verse, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says here, for everything in the world, everything in the world, that means that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this represents everything of the world. Apostle John is not just taking some, randomly taking three examples. No, he says everything in the world. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life. Comes not from the Father. You see, if you study the grammar, it says comes not from the Father. It means that these three are all one collectively. All three comes together. All three comes together. It affects one another. And all three works together in some sort of level in our life if we take on the world, if we belong to the world, if we love the world. All three. These three are not just random negative impulses that Apostle John takes as an example. It is everything in the world. So, if you are still in the world, if you are still living in darkness, this tree will characterize our desire and impulses. We will start seeking for what is temporal. We will be short-sighted. We will be overconfident in our life that our life will be on our own rather than for God. We will fail to obey God's command. We will fail to love others. We will fail to give up our right and to sacrifice for others. And this is how we know that we are loving the world, that we start to belong to the world. We start to allow the primary motivation of our life to be taken over by the world. Do this long enough and you will slowly walk away from God. You may not realize it and you begin to operate under the influence and the control of the devil because you take on the values of the world. And with the value of the world comes the temptation and the control of the devil. And you may still not realize it. And soon, you may find that your life is not aligned with God's command anymore. You'll find that your Christian brother and sister will come to you and say, hey, what is going on in your life? The things that you're doing is not right. And we start to give all sort of excuses all sort of justification to say that we are doing okay. But we have drifted away from the light into darkness, from the truth to the lies of the world. So this may be the life that we live. And this may be the life that we live before we come to Jesus. But now, as you have come to Jesus, as you live in the light, do not go back into the darkness. Let's live in the light. Let's live in the truth and not according to the lust of the world. 
But when we truly follow Jesus, if we really want to follow Jesus, we really need to stay in line with God and not the values of the world. In John chapter 15, verse 19, the Gospel of John, it says here, If you belonged to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But Jesus says, I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Jesus Christ has chosen you out of the world. Meaning that you do not belong to the world even though you live in the world. But the way you live in the world will stand out as a light, as a salt. And people will see that you are different by the way you speak, by the values that you hold on to. And it will be very easy to spot out the light among darkness. That is what God has called us to. Do not align and adopt and partake in the way of the world. Instead, let us partake and align ourselves with Christ. And lastly, number three, can I ask the musician to come? First John chapter 2, verse 17, it says, The world and its desire passes away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This verse emphasizes one thing. The world is passing away. Meaning that everything that we are chasing after, it may rot, it will expire, it will decay, it can be exhausted, it can run out one day, and it can be destroyed. The world is passing away. The value that we hold on to, the fashion that we hold on to, everything that we hold on to, it will come and go. Empires come and go. Country comes and go. Leaders come and go. Technology comes and go. Your career comes and go. Everything will pass away. Everything that we hold on to will decay. You have no eternal value. But, you know what? It's not just enough to know that there's no eternal value. Because we all know, greed, sexual immorality, pride, covetousness, gluttony, we know all these are wrong. We know. But these are just the symptom of a deeper problem we have because of sin in our lives. If we struggle with it, I praise God because you struggle with it. You struggle between taking on the value of the world and the value of God. But if you do not struggle, if you do not evaluate yourself, you may be living in darkness. And that's why we always need to take up the cross and follow Jesus daily. That there's a daily evaluation of what is going on in our value, what is going on in our life, what is going on in our character, what is going on in our attitude. It is not just you evaluating yourself. It's also in the community of believers that if you are participating in a small group, your small group member will hold you accountable. You will hold your small group members accountable. And there is that mutual support. You may say that you are doing good. You may believe that you are doing well. But you need the input for others. Because you may have blind spot. And that is why it's always, always important to be in a small group so that there is such spiritual accountability. We need to understand that we always need to 
evaluate ourselves so that we do not take on the values of the world. But the Bible says, whoever does the will of God will live forever. Today, as I say, eternal life started in your life the minute, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ. You are having eternal life right now. But are you investing and storing up treasures in heaven in your eternal life? Let's start doing the will of God by obeying and by loving God. By doing what God wants us to do so that we will start building our life on earth to become a legacy, to become an impact for our Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, store up treasures in heaven do the will of God start doing the will of God obey the command of God to live as we should if you do not know what's the command of God if you do not know the word of God how can you live and do the will of God and that's why the study of the word the understanding of the word is very important we have Logos class we have Bible study class and let me make an appeal to you let's start making time that we will learn the word of God we will learn the heartbeat of God so that we will obey the will of God and start doing the will of God and live in the eternal life that God has given us do not give yourself the excuse saying that I'm too busy do not give the excuse and saying that I'm not a study person do not give the excuse saying that the study only belongs to those who are elite, who are spiritual. The Word of God is for every single person. Whether you are a study person or not, whether you are clever or not, whether you are old or young, the Word of God is for everyone. And therefore, let me encourage you. Start learning, meditating, digesting, applying and teaching the Word of God. Do the will of God and live forever. Start storing up your treasure in heaven. Do not love the world. I started by asking you the question, are you of the world or are you of God? Do you belong to the world or do you belong to God? How do you know that you love God? How do you know that you are loving the world? lust of flesh, the lust of eye and the pride of life is there any hint of it I hope that in your heart you won't say no it's not me far be it, no 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 it's not me let me be honest with you when I prepared this message I told God, God give me the humility that I can see whether is it me or not is it me I don't dare to tell God, God, after all this year of being a pastor, after all this year of being so-called holy, I do not have the love of the world. Is that so? Let's come to the Lord in humility and let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us the power to live. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Father Lord, we come before you 
Today we want to cross over from the temporal life to eternal life. We want to start doing the will of God by obeying His command. We want to allow God to be the main motivation and the main desire of our life. And we want to ask Holy Spirit that you heal our spiritual blindness so that we can see what is important, what is significant, what is necessary, what is essential. Holy Spirit, always lead us so that we will walk on the pathway of truth, on the narrow gate, on the light. Let our motivation and desire always be on Christ. Let us fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. And let us pursue the things of God and the things that is eternal so that we can confidently say that our life belongs to God. And Father Lord, this will be our prayer today. And we want you to really do that in our work. And we acknowledge that we could not do it on our own. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me right now. Fill me with your power because only you can satisfy my needs. Father Lord, that will be our prayer according to this song. And as such, can I invite you to just stand with me and let's end by singing this song, Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.
Let's pray to the Lord. Father Lord, this morning, once again, we know that your Holy Spirit spoke to us through the Word that it helped us once again to remind us that we are not of the world. We do not belong to the world when we choose to follow Jesus. That we do not love the world, but we love God by obeying your command. Help us to evaluate our heart, ourselves, our lifestyle, that we will not love the world. That far be it that we have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Even though, Father Lord, we work in the marketplace, even if we are a house worker, a house, a house, uh, uh, a housewife, even though if we are in college or in school, that we will always follow you, Father God. Help us to once again evaluate and check our life again and again, Father Lord, that we will be in a community of faith, that there will be mutual accountability for us to grow together so that we will not have spiritual blindness, oh God. And today, we thank you because once again, you reveal yourself to us that you are great and mighty God. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. That means that we can have a greater spiritual life. We can have a greater spiritual growth than this today. And therefore, Father Lord, we ask that you will, Father God, you will be with us. Lead us, Father Lord, throughout this week to continue to hear from you. All this we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen, Amen. Please be seated. And before we end the service today, there's a series of announcements that I would like to hand the time for Daniel Newton. I hope that you will pay some attention because there are some important announcements coming up. Thank you.